We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. <laughs> that was how we really feel. Hi. Yep, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But I will talk about that later. Yeah. Right now... I'm going to share with you an interesting story. It's not spooky. Okay. Fits the theme of October. It's like a cool mystery. Okay. Today, we're going to be discussing Edith Howard Cook. Mmm. The good three name. All right. Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2017 Atlas Obscura article by Rick Paulus. 2017 San Francisco Weekly article by Joe Kakura. 2017 San Francisco Weekly article by Marnie Schleicher. Mm -hmm. Nice. 2016 San Francisco Gate article by Steve Rubenstein. 1876 San Francisco Chronicle. 1873 San Francisco Chronicle. Find a Grave. Garden of Innocence. Genie.com. And Wikipedia. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. Picture this. You are part of a construction crew working in the posh Richmond district of San Francisco on a home renovation. Just a normal day. I'm listening. That is, until your shovel strikes something under the garage floor that by all accounts shouldn't be there. Less great. Really uh, not super, super big fan of that, especially in an old town like that. Mm-hmm. No. Can I say no? <laughs> yeah, I have doubt. Can you just like bury it back and be like, sorry. Such was the case for a construction crew on May 9th, 2016, when they discovered a tiny lead and bronze coffin with a pair of glass windows on the lid at 26 Rossi Street in San Francisco, California. Cool, but also like I would a thousand percent think I'm cursed immediately. I'd be like, I fucked up. I got to go. Especially when I tell you, imagine their shock and surprise when they discovered the perfectly preserved remains of what appeared to be a three-year-old girl. No, no, no. Perfectly preserved? Yeah. Mm, with windows? Mm-hmm. No. So you could Windows so you could see like the head and the yeah. feet. Oh, and the feet. That's a choice. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh-huh. See if she like had dirt on her feet recently from her jaunts out of her, what was it, gold? Gold coffin? Lead and bronze. 
Lead. That's a choice. That is a choice. They wanted to keep that little girl trapped. Mm-hmm. I hate this. So, dressed all in white, mm-hmm. she wore ankle-high shoes, and mm-hmm. her tiny hands clasped a bundle of lavender flowers that had also been lovingly woven throughout her hair. Eucalyptus seeds and a rosary had been placed upon her tiny chest. So it looks really nice and innocent, but it could also just be like a bunch of protection wards. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep this tiny child pinned here. But who was she? I forgot her name already, so it's fine. Okay, good. Sweet. A city medical examiner was called in and finding no marker or indication on the coffin as to the identity of the child or how she may have passed, they cracked the coffin to investigate. But by doing so, they had broken the airtight seal that had prevented the child's body from naturally decomposing. So I bet she started to go real quick. The clock was now ticking, which brought about even more questions. Where should she be reburied and who would pay for it? Well, Honestly, the person who cracked it open should pay for it. (laughs) You know, like you break it, you buy it. You broke the coffin, you bought the coffin. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. The city, as they are wont to do, believe Mm -hmm. that the burden should be placed upon the unsuspecting homeowner. Of course. A woman named Erica Carner. Great. Erica received quotes ranging from $7,000 to $22,000 for a new burial. Mm. that's just for burying the body yeah not doing anything else the investigation yeah great understandably she was like nuh-uh fuck that fuck you fuck this (laughs) yeah in a quote from the san francisco chronicle erica states quote the city decided to move all the bodies 100 years ago and they should stand behind their decision end quote keep a pin in that I will explain more later. Yeah, I had a lot of questions. I was like, bodies? <laughs> this yep. was the one that was left? Like, oopsie. So we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll circle back. The city stood firm on their stance that it was not their responsibility. Annoying. So Erica reached out to a woman named Alyssa Davy, who is the founder of the nonprofit Garden of Innocence. Their mission is to help identify and name unidentified deceased children. Cool, but a really weird niche. How do you get funding for that? That's a... Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, par for the course for this. Let's keep going. (laughs) It sounds normal in this story. (laughs) With the help of Oddfellow Cemetery... They were able to provide a new cherrywood coffin with a violet interior for the reburial of the child dubbed Miranda Eve by Erica's two young daughters. Word of the unnamed child, understandably, spread quickly all over San Francisco. And on June 4th, 2016, almost a month after she was unearthed, Miranda Eve was reburied at Green Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Colma, before a group of over 100 mourners. Interesting. A heart-shaped granite headstone marked the spot where she was laid to rest, stating, quote, Miranda Eve, the child loved around the world. If no one grieves, no one will remember, end quote. That's a dark quote. 
Right? If no one grieves, no one will remember. Rude, like rude. I don't know. I icky. Why would you put that? Yeah. Ick. Don't. Mm-hmm. <sighs> don't say that. San Francisco sucks. <laughs> All of this is terrible. But Miranda Eve's story wasn't over yet. Of course not. In fact, it was just beginning. Prior to her June burial, researchers had extracted DNA from 20 strands of hair from Miranda. First, to ensure that she hadn't passed as a result of any sort of foul play. But secondly, with the hope that they could get more information as to who she was. And thirdly, to create a deadly super virus of whatever she died from (laughs) to put into the 21st century. Like, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, it's fine. This research was the result of a number of people, such as anthropology professor Yelmer Irkins of UC Davis and Sidra Hussein, who analyzed the saliva obtained from her last known descendant located in San Rafael. Fun fact, her Mm. mitochondrial DNA suggested that her mother had come from the British Isles. Get in line, honey. (laughs) Yeah. It also confirmed their suspicion that Miranda was a girl. Great. See, not not a thing. A vampire. To be fair, at the point in time in which she passed, it wasn't uncommon for children of both birth sexes to wear dresses and have long hair until anywhere from two to eight years old, when boys would go through a breaching ceremony in which they would be dressed in their first pair of trousers or breeches. Can we bring back a pant ceremony? That sounds awesome, but like for everybody. That's what I thought. Going from like onesies to pants. I want a trouser party. Yeah, that sounds great. And I, okay, I get like the not knowing the gender. Sorry, I just assumed if you were going to look at the body, you were going to determine that the body was a female based on biology. I don't think they wanted to mess with her too much. I think it was more a matter of, like, we're just going to take some hair, we're going to collect some minor samples, and then... Put her back. Put her in a new coffin and put her in the ground. Got it. Because keep in mind, she had been vacuum sealed for over 100 years, they think, at this point. And, like... Yeah, I suppose I just incorrectly assumed with the medical examiner. Like, medical examinations are very thorough, so... Who is she? Cuts her hair, throws her back in a box. <laughs> we may never know. This We lost the hair. <laughs> the flower is actually a superbug. <laughs> According to the hair samples that had been collected, Miranda had been weaned off breast milk about a year prior to her passing, which led researchers to believe that she was likely two to three and a half years old when she died. Additionally, her diet had been changed about three to four months before her death, which suggested that she had passed from a long illness instead of some sort of trauma. All from hair. All from hair. What? Like, I don't understand. Because for so long, that's been bunk. You know, that science had been like the stomach science and all that stuff. They were like, "Mm, no, that's not right. So to hear this, it just, I know. I don't know. This feels like this will be bunk science. In like 30 years, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to be like, they learned, they made assumptions based on hair. Idiots. (laughs) Well, it's because like 
Yeah. Anyway. I know. I know. The way it ages and holds on to stuff. Proteins. Anyway. Researchers determined that she had died of marasmus, which was a 19th century term for severe malnutrition, which was likely caused by some sort of infection or long-lasting disease. That's really sad. Like malnutrition was the final straw. Yeah. So meanwhile, as all that is going on, a team of researchers were using the coffin and its location to try and get an idea of who she was. They were able to trace the unique design of her casket, which was called a metallic burial case, to the only undertaker in the city of San Francisco who made them at the time. Miranda had been mummified with her coffin acting as a sort of germicide that was able to preserve her clothing, red hair, and soft tissue, not to mention the flowers that had been buried with her. That's insane. Like mm-hmm. it astounding at the time right but Mm -hmm. like think of how many people would honestly like to do that now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like i hate it (laughs) i don't want that to happen to me when i like please i want to become the seed of a tree in a haunted forest i want to be a ghost in a forest right that's crazy that that he like did that so for me that would make me think that she comes from like money if he was the only person that could mummify your child to the point where 100 years later, she's just like chilling with flowers in her hair, like mm-hmm. the day she was put in. I hate it. It just seems like so. it seems like the story for a curse, like just to erupt, <laughs> like truly. I'm just waiting for like, and then 12 people died, like everyone who saw her died. <laughs> like, it's like the mummy when they like. Yes, like her eyes opened and yeah. then everyone died. The Garden of Innocence Project had several criteria that needed to be met to find a match. So the person who Miranda could be must have been buried in a Barston metallic patented burial case or casket, mm-hmm. been interred in Oddfellow Cemetery, mm-hmm. been a girl between the ages of two to five years old, mm-hmm. and been buried between 1866 and 1890. It's a small window of time. Mm -hmm. After 11 months, the study of 29,982 burial records, thousands of hours of research cross-referencing 1870 maps of Oddfellow Cemetery to 2016 street maps to confirm the casket's placement under the home of Erica Carner and DNA samples from a potential living family descendant In April of 2017, Miranda Eve finally had her name back, Edith Howard Cook. Damn. So, who was she? Edith Howard Cook was born in San Francisco, California, on November 28, 1873, to parents Horatio Nelson Cook and Edith Scoffey Cook. She was the second of four children, brother Milton, who was born in 1871, so two years prior to her. Mm-hmm. Younger sister Ethel, who was born in 1878, and younger brother Clifford, who was born in 1882. The rest of her siblings lived past childhood. Nice. So the living relative whose DNA was used to help identify Edith, a man named Peter Cook, mm-hmm. was a descendant of her oldest brother, Milton. Crazy. So Horatio, her father, whose family was originally from Greece, 
had moved from Maine to California during the gold rush, which is how he met his wife, Edith. Nice. The pair married in 1870 and were a prominent family in the area, Mm -hmm. as you guessed. Yep. With Horatio establishing and operating M.M. Cook & Sons, a hide tanning business, which lasted until 1980. Yeah. When it with another company in the city of San Leandro. Fun fact, Horatio was also the San Francisco consul to Greece. Why not? I mean, at the time, he probably was like the only Greek (laughs) person. Probably. He's like one of like two. (laughs) He's like, it's me. (laughs) I'm it. (laughs) I'll do it. Second fun fact, Edith's younger sister, Ethel became a San Fran socialite, with a Russian nobleman once referring to her as, quote, the most beautiful woman in America, end quote. Sounds like she was part of a really saucy family and probably would have been, like, just as cool Mm -hmm. had she survived. Edith passed away on October 13th, 1876, at the age of two years, 10 months, and 15 days old. Hmm. In her obituary in the October 14th, 1876 edition of the San Francisco Chronicle, it stated, quote, Friends are respectfully invited to attend the funeral at 1 o'clock p.m. tomorrow, Sunday, from the residence of the parents, 635 Sutter Street, near Taylor, end quote. At the time of her passing, Edith was interred in the family plot in the Yerba Buena section of San Francisco's Oddfellow Cemetery in the Richmond District on October 15, 1876. The cemetery closed in 1902 following an ordinance by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in March of 1900 to cease further burials within the city. Mm-hmm. This is us back now. Yep. Because this was when San Francisco was getting way too big and they needed to start expanding within. Yes. Yeah. The original Oddfellow Cemetery once bordered Geary, Parker, Turk, and Aguelo and closed its doors in regards to burials in 1890, with the exception of cremains, which were stored in the San Francisco Columbarium. What a name. Right? A columbarium. Wow. Yeah, it's where they store urns. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And that column. I think it's still there. From the, from the way it sounds. Columbarium. Yeah. As time went on, the area around the cemetery was starting to experience residential growth. Mm-hmm. So the decision was made in 1923 to exhume and transfer the around 30,000 people buried at Odd Fellows to Greenlawn Cemetery in Colma, California, to make room for more residential developments. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a move across the board in San Francisco. Like they were right. like, we're going to zoom and move everyone. Get the dead bodies out to bring the fresh bodies in. <laughs> yep. Not all cemeteries were keen on the idea. Yeah, because it would have cost them money. Yeah. Like some of them were private cemeteries. Yeah. Well, and people are very, 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 very... I don't know, intense about bodies and where bodies Mm -hmm. are. And I understand to a point, but I don't know. At a certain point, it just becomes contents in a box. Mm -hmm. It's no longer the person. So 
but it would have probably been super fresh at the time. Like yeah. I can, I can visit my dead wife down the street as opposed to now you want me to go visit my dead wife to cities away or something, you know, like I can understand why that would be so intense at the time. Yeah. So cemetery is owned by Freemasons, the odd fellows, which is the one that she mm-hmm. was buried and the Catholic archdiocese refused to comply yeah. until they were to do so in the 1920s. Yeah. Cause don't, I feel like the Catholic faith too has a really big thing about like desecrating a body. Yes, they do. And that, that would they be do. considered desecration. Yes. See, the land that the dead were currently occupying was estimated at around $7 million, or around $90 million today. Holy shit. Those were some highfalutin bodies. Yeah. So over the next four decades, nearly 150,000 people were exhumed and relocated a few miles south to the city of Colma. Colma today is home to two square miles of cemeteries and only has a living population of around 1,500 people. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a literal ghost town. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. literally where you go to die. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they jo- jokingly refer to it as the city of bones. Yeah, apt. Yeah. The process was not a pretty one. I As bet. I'm sure you could have guessed. Yeah. But there were all different kinds of boxes and bodies and pay grades of burials. Yeah. Due to Department of Health regulations, mm. bodies that were exhumed had to be moved the same day. Yeah. And that would have been so lax then, too. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. They would have like been touching it, putting stuff back. <laughs> Throwing mm-hmm. a couple four by fours to to repair them. <laughs> yeah, they would not have been nearly as thorough, well preserved. I think yeah. at the time. Yeah, OSHA did not exist. <laughs> no. Each day, lines of hearses would travel via funeral procession to Colma. The original caskets were not taken, so if you were buried in a casket, it did not go with you. That's really fucked up. That's really fucked up. Instead, the vessel in which a corpse was buried depended on the condition of their remains. For example, if they could fit inside a shoebox, no. then that what was used. Holy shit. According to planning department documents, the boxes cost, quote, varied from $0.08 cents to $2.75, end quote. Hmm. And you could put a lot of shoeboxes in a hearse. Yep. Wow. Yeah, San Francisco, if I didn't think that they sucked at the beginning of this story, <laughs> like they have always sucked from the sounds mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Holy shit. Sorry, I'm swearing so much, but this is insane. This is insane. When I was researching this, I was like, what the actual fuck? And like, how did they get away with this? At all. Like, could you imagine if somebody tried doing this shit today? Like, even with... Oh, my God. I... Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) So it was during this process of exhumation and relocation that Edith was somehow missed and left behind. They probably thought she looked like a doll or something. I don't know. And they're like, what's this American Girl doll doing here? (laughs) They didn't keep the best records either. 
So right. it's entirely possible that she wasn't on whatever the last records were. And who's to say, too, that like her family couldn't have paid somebody to keep her there? Like You have to imagine that some of the bodies could have been left at a price. I don't know. Or maybe they were planning to have a third party dig her up and that just never happened. They were all sick that day. They all got the plague. (laughs) They all got something that day. Side note, apparently all of the bodies that were exhumed and relocated were essentially just dumped in a section of the Green Lawn Cemetery and there are no markers or anything. In fact... It seems that none of the records were properly transferred over. Family plots were pretty much non-existent. Mm -hmm. Some body parts managed to go missing and not find their way back to their owners. And the bulk of the dead appeared to have been just shoved in mass graves. Yeah, that place is super haunted now. There's a reason why there's only 1,500 people living there. I don't know how those 1,500 people exist in a place that would be that would have that bad energy could you just imagine the amount of horrific energy that would be Mm -hmm. there like even even just like the workers not wanting to do that job Mm -hmm. and just transfer it all like dump it like dumping the bodies like like i don't want to do this yeah oh i never want to go there let's add that to the list of the places you and i will never ever ever step foot in Also, the area above the mass grave is currently being rented out to a farmer who plants flowers and vegetables over the corpses. Great. I bet they're super sweet tasting and smelling. So I googled it. And according to a man named Don Urbanis, who posted a review for the site six months ago, Mm -hmm. stated, quote, I guess my great great grandfather is dumped here. There is not even a plaque. No way to know that there must be hundreds or thousands buried here. I don't get it. I assume that's why nobody has built on it. End quote. Yeah. Anyone who would try is a big dumb dummy and obviously has never heard an urban legend once in their life. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. All the headstones that weren't moved to Green Lawn were instead used to build new structures at Marina Yacht Harbor and Buena Vista Park. Okay, add that to the list of another place I will never go to, because how is that place not, like, horrifically cursed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. This whole thing is a shit show. <laughs> yeah. It's an actual nightmare. Yeah. And they've never had to answer for this. Mm-mm. Nope. Wow. So circling back to Edith... Yeah, let's just get back to the cute little redheaded doll with flowers in it. Yeah, let's. So Edith was reinterred in Greenlawn's Memorial Park on June 10th, 2017. She is located in the Yerba Buena section, Tier 1, Plot 2, in case you would like to visit her. Her headstone reads, quote, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thank you, Team Miranda. Miranda Eve was laid to rest June 4th, 2016. And then it says, Google her for news stories, end quote. Um, On her headstone, it says Google her. Yeah, it says Google her. I'm surprised Google didn't sue them for putting that. Right. They also have a computer-aided image of what she looked like 
on her headstone because they were able to take a picture of her. Mm -hmm. I guess, according to the Garden of Innocence website, they worked with a graphic designer who was able to kind of clean up her face a little bit. I guess the only like indication of any sort of decomp on her was that she had a little bit of mold growing on her like chin that they were able to like Photoshop, I'm assuming, out to kind of clean her up a little bit. That's crazy, though, that it was just like a tiny little bit of mold, a little beauty mark mold. Yeah. Anyway, she may be one of the few people who has been buried three times with this hopefully being the last and final one. Yeah. Well, and honestly, her being left behind is the only way that her body wasn't tossed in a shoebox. Yep. So it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise that she wasn't moved. Yeah. Wow. That's all terrible. Thanks for nothing, San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. In lighter news, Mm. if you would like to learn more about the Garden of Innocence or make a donation towards the cost of reburying Edith Miranda Eve Cook, you can visit gardenofinnocence.org or you can click the link in our show notes. Insane. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Yield Crime Podcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. And funnily enough, I did not plan this, but this week's podcast plug is the Strange History Podcast. <laughs> They should do a deep dive on all of the crimes <laughs> San Seriously, Francisco has done in no the late 1800s. Kidding. Truth can be stranger than fiction. Tune in to hear all the weirdly wonderful and sometimes not so wonderful history that has shaped the world into what it is today. From the most wild to the most mundane, host Amy finds the strange in history you may never have heard about. They are part of the Darkcast Network, and we will have a link to their show in the show notes. And in lieu of any listener questions, which we do not have, Mm -hmm. what is something good you'd like to share? I have had a very stressful event that has been like months long completed this week, and it feels really great that it's no longer on my shoulders, and... Not right now, instead of like stressing out about what it was, I'm like looking up Halloween costumes that I can wear at Starbucks on my <laughs> shift when I work. So it's been a lot lighter this weekend as opposed to previous weekends in the past like couple of months. So in general, nice. I just feel a little, little better, a little lighter, a little less stressed. That's good. How about That's you? Good. As I mentioned at the beginning... You know, I'm feeling pretty tired, and that is because I started my part-time seasonal job at Pine Haven Farm. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it last week, so I did my third shift today, so the day that we're recording this. It's very long days, but it's also very fun. It's nice being outside, mm-hmm. even when at times when it's very cold and windy, and I enjoy seeing how much fun the kids have when they're there. I bet. I bet that's really fun. Today, I was kind of a a breaker. So I would go around and like give people their, like cover their station during like lunch and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And the last you know quarter of my day, I was working at the gem mining station where we essentially sell people bags of dirt that have like crystals and gems mm -hmm. and sometimes fossils and shark teeth in them. And they get to like pan using like an old school watering type thing to like pan for the crystals and stuff. Cute. It was crazy busy. I bet. We sold so many bags, but it was really fun watching the kids who were super into it. Mm -hmm. Like there was this, I'm guessing he was like four year old boy that was super into it and he like every time like the sand would be washed away and he'd pull up the little pan box thing the pan that had mm -hmm. the stuff in it he'd be like wow you know and he'd be like so excited going through and picking out the different like crystals and rocks and gems and all this stuff and it was just it was so much fun like watching some of the people like how excited they were to be playing in water and dirt and finding cool rocks. That's really cute. So that was really fun. Even though I have like enough dirt under my fingernails that it's probably going to be there for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'll take a shower and it'll be fine. Awesome. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been interesting. And shall we? Let's do it. All right. A great way to support the show if you want to help out, but you can't do so financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, or Audible. Or you can do it on all of them if you really want, if you're like just really super into helping us. Gung-ho, feeling charitable. Yep. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. And our last Tee Public sale of the month is October 26th through the 29th. And you can get 35% off everything in our store, including our fall-inspired merchandise. Nice. Like our spoopy design and some other stuff so if you want to get your swag on head on over to Public, october 26th to the 29th to get a little bit of a discount nice got something you want to say shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear your story ideas see any gifts you send our way or if you just want to say hello we're pretty friendly speaking of friendly if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. <laughs>